So happy birthday to Tom Payne. Oh, today's Tom Payne's birthday? Yes, this very day, 1737. You might not know that, but at thisiscommonsense.org, every day is a another day in freedom. And uh, we have the today's history. Uh, and uh, that's where I learned that. He was not really as young a man as most of the revolutionaries were. He was older, wasn't he? He was, you know, Franklin was older, but but uh, Payne was older, and uh, and of course was born in England, not in, a, in America, and and wasn't here for very long. I don't know exactly how long, but was not here for that long before he got active. And and people think about Tom Payne and lots of different things, I guess, but uh, it's pretty pretty clear now that he had the first written uh, argument that was published anonymously but published in the uh united states which wasn't the united states then in the colonies attacking slavery uh and also people know he wrote common sense which of course is why this is this is commonsense.org we kind of like pain um he's a good pain anyway uh people i don't think usually appreciate the hit that common sense was that it was the best-selling uh, written material in the colonies. I mean, people had more Bibles and probably more Bibles were sold, but no other book. Uh, and that, you know, when, when you think of different writers, I think we have a, a little bit of a tendency to maybe give them more credit because, you know, that's, that's how we heard about things or, or, you know, what have you, and maybe not the, you know, not enough credit to the soldier who's actually being shot at, who's, you know, going through a battle, but Tom Paine, I mean, so much of the American revolution was rallying, you know, the forces of freedom and separating from England and, uh, and boy, did he rally them. I think that may be uh, the greatest impact in history of any political writing yeah it certainly is a contender you know on my website i have a a condensation of common sense uh, i brought it down to i mean a very a fraction of the size so that a person could read it easily in one sitting just without any hardly even blinking and it's yes. mainly his words his phrases but with uh, things taken out it's been redacted in a sense uh, just just for the for the person who wants to get a flavor of Tom Paine. I think it's a pretty good way of doing it, uh, reading that that piece. Everybody should read, of course, the full document, but is everybody going to read it? No. <clears throat> no, no, and that's always helpful, although, you know, the full document isn't very long. It's one of those books that, if you wanted to read Common Sense, if you got a, you know, a two or three hour plane ride, you can do it. I, oh, I, very I, easily. I read more on planes than anything else, and so I have, I have, uh, different books, you know, depending on how long my plane ride is going to be. It's nice I don't have to wear a mask now because I, I when I'm wearing a mask, I have to wear glasses to read. And uh, uh, and it's like they fog up and they it's like I have to eat while I read. So my glasses don't fog up. It's really it's not fair. But anyway, we did five. Believe it or not, we just decided this week, let's do five uh commentaries and um and just a, the the first one on monday the california non-consensus go to this is commonsense.org and give it a read it's about a federal judge stepping in and saying no california you cannot 
yank away doctor's licenses because they don't say exactly what the government wants them to say. And we talk about, you know, a medical consensus, if they're outside that medical consensus, there's no medical consensus. It's a political consensus. And if you empowered in this way through the force of government, through passing a law, which is what they did, that's a political consensus, not a medical consensus. And of course, the, even if it's a medical consensus, they don't have a right to shut up doctors. This is the United States of America, for goodness sake. Uh, so this is good news. But the fact that the largest state in the country has passed legislation, has enacted law to slap doctors and make them shut up if they don't toe the party line is really, really sick and twisted and scary. Yeah, it's it's an astounding thing. And it was part of what we uh, learned what our politicians will do during the COVID pandemic. I mean, you know, we often talk about the ratchet effect of government and, you know, Robert Higgs has great uh, thesis about government and war. Governments expand during times of war. Right. And, and it never goes quite all the way back. It's always extra right. gain in government. Right. With COVID and the pandemic, we, it was like a war in a sense because they really ramped up spending and they spent amazing amounts of money, and that's all debt now. So it's right. we're, we're well over thirty trillion dollars in debt, and the government and people in government seem to feel they have more discretion to control our lives than they did before. Yes, they they sure do, and and we didn't write about it, but maybe there's always next week. But uh, I saw a little on the television scream scream <laughs> television sometimes it's a scream uh, uh screen while i was getting some coffee 191 billion dollars is what they're estimating the uh, uh unemployment benefit fraud was during the pandemic that's a fifth of a trillion dollars and uh and of course Let's blame everybody who committed fraud, but the the whole pandemic stuff was, I mean, we could have had like, you know, lights flashing saying easy fraud opportunity right here. Uh, and, and some of the fraud, people from other countries were, were in on it. Hey, is if we can get you know broken English and and uh, get the request in, I'm sure they'll ship a couple billion dollars our way. So it, that's it something is. that happened before too. That happened during the uh, 2008 debacle, didn't it? Where yes. we had where they discovered quite a lot of foreign fraud in the in the unemployment system. Yeah, you know it's it's not easy to control these things. I I understand that, but so much of the I mean when you're sending money to people who don't need it. And it, it it's somebody's money. <laughs> and it's like it, the whole thing was insane. And the unemployment benefits were way beyond what was necessary. It's just when you start hemorrhaging money, people will come around and help take it off your hands. You know, the, all the lockdowns, I was annoyed with the lockdowns. I was an, I mean, I was more than annoyed, but it didn't really affect my it didn't affect my bottom line. Right. Because right. you know, I work I work from you know a garret in a in a country home, far away from the madding crowd, and uh, online. Twenty twenty, the pandemic year was was a wonderful year in in my memory. Uh, my youngest was home from 
from school because school had shut down. So she had to hang around her, her old man and, and it wasn't even my fault. And uh, it was great. <laughs> played a lot of tennis. Um, but, you know, and it just goes to show that people's circumstances are, are, are different. And of course, it was a troubling year in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously I was worried about myself. I was worried about other people. Um, you know, things can happen. So, I mean, it's not like it was, uh, oh, great, uh, no big deal, a pandemic. But of course, there are other people who suffered greatly. Their, their restaurant went out of business or the restaurant they worked at went out of business and they needed this this relief. So well, they didn't get you know, enough. I mean, the, the relief was is trivial when you consider the damage done to some people and idiotically superfluous of those that weren't damaged. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was just it was it was a blanket thing and it shouldn't have been a blanket thing. I actually came up with a scheme that might have worked in this kind of cases. If, you know, one of the rules of the Constitution is that if you have to take private goods for public benefit, then you have to compensate. So the people who felt that they needed to be, you know, to protect themselves, they needed other people not to work. Well, the people who were protected, they should have paid. And the people who were affected, who were told not to work and lost money, they should have been paid and it should have been local. And people should have been sending checks every week or every month. You would have seen a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't you go to work if that's what you want? I to know do? that's actually I, one of the reasons. That would right, be a good of idea. course. I wish early on and I, I wish on all kinds of crises that the government would like. I mean, why not go on the tube and say, hey, we need your help. Here's what's happening. And and reach out to people's best instincts just right off the bat. Get that expectation high. And one of the things to do would have been, look, we don't know exactly how this is going to work out. I'm asking every businessman, businesswoman in America, business anything of, of whatever gender you choose, to think about how can you keep your business running in as safe a way as possible. And please share that. And please, yeah, if you want to have a, and, and let the marketplace work in, in fixing the problem in the same way it works in, in getting stuff to people who need it at a price that usually they can afford it. And, but none of that happened. It was all the geniuses, the wizards, uh, in, in Washington and other state capitals who were going to tell everybody what to do. And, and frankly, there are a lot of people who like that. And I can kind of understand that, you know, look, in, in, in troubling times, you want a strong hand. You want somebody who is going to say, no, we're doing it this way. But it has to be stuff they're allowed to say, we're doing it this way. I mean, in, in, a, in a war, you want a commander in chief who's, who makes quick decisions and so on. But when people, when there's a disease that nobody knows about, making quick decisions that nobody gets to work is, is kind of foolish. And it's really bad if that was an attack in war. It looks like China may have released it on purpose or most likely accidentally, but it was gain of function. It was related to the military in their research. And we know this in part because as Rand Paul just came on the uh, in, in one of his hearings recently, uh, said that this is now known that the money that the U.S. was giving funneling through the State Department 
was going to Echo Health Alliance, but also going to the military research at Wuhan lab. I was not aware of that. And I just wanted, I wanted to be clear to everyone. Um, what we know is not that China released it as a bioweapon or that it even came from the lab necessarily. Um, well, I, I mean, you think it, it did. And, and I suspect it did. But everything they've said all along has been a lie. And, and when I say they, I'm not talking about the gaslighting Chinese who lie all the time and who basically just mums the word, we're not telling you anything, and we're taking stuff offline, the different sequencing and different things that people could have used to try to figure out stuff uh, from a scientific perspective. China just shut it, shut it all down. I'm talking about Americans. I'm talking about Fauci. I'm talking about our our operation and our operation. We, you know, there was no gain in function. The NIH admitted after that big dust up, and of course, it didn't get much press because we live in a dystopian society where the media, if if the media, if they think it cuts the wrong way, and we're going to get into that on one of the scripts this week, but if they think it cuts the wrong way, they're just not going to tell you the information or they'll they'll hide it or twist it or they're not our friends they're not trying to provide honest information to us they are trying to twist things so that we behave in the way they want us to behave and that's not journalism that's not a free media that is a sick twisted that's my theme maybe this should be uh, what's the uh, uh daria uh, the show that used to be on MTV. This I, I date myself a little bit, but it was a great show, and they had commercials that weren't really commercials. They were part of the show, but they'd come on and they'd advertise this show on their TV channel. And it was called Six Sad World, and tonight on Six Sad World, you know something's going to happen. So maybe we should name this uh, podcast Six Sad World. So they lied about it being gain of function. They didn't come clean that they were given money. I mean, it was obvious. It's not like Echo Health Alliance got this money and decided on their own to, to give it to the Wuhan lab. It was all part of the plan. So why wasn't that? Why didn't they come clean on that? Because it's pretty damning to come out and say that people are going to ask the next question. And it doesn't mean we have evidence now that COVID-19 came from that. But what are the, the questions are all going to be, did COVID-19 come from that? How do you know it didn't? And, and it would put it in a whole different light. We've known for a long time, even though, again, the media has not spent much time. And I'm talking about the mainstream media. Some folks, you know, Tucker Carlson's mentioned it, a few people here or there. If you're if you're surfing the web, you you can find these things. But it's not part of the mainstream media. They They have not owned up to the fact that Fauci and others, including Peter Dasnick, who's the guy with Echo Health Alliance, um, that they conspired to create a false narrative. It's I've read the emails. They've been released. It's, it's, it's all there. And people say, well, they released those things, but there was no big news about it. Well, <laughs> that's because you read a newspaper or listen to a television uh, news channel that's, that won't tell you. So, of course, you don't know. And I don't blame you, except that I think you better listen to somebody else and read something else. The uh, But this is new to me that basically there was also funding of that 
military part of it. They were part of the structure of the organization. They were part of the same structure. And there were certainly people who have raised previously that there's nothing to stop the funding from bleeding over. I mean, you've got you got a military uh, office down the hallway and you've got the stuff that the Echo Health Alliance says they're giving to over here in this office. But, you know, that money that we sent might pay for the for the lights for all of that stuff. It might pay for lab equipment that's used both in the military part of it and and something else. And so this is, again, I am so concerned about the genocidal totalitarian regime that's running China with 1.4 billion people and nuclear weapons and the largest military buildup in history. But what's also concerning is that the West and particularly the United States of America has been all in in helping China become this dangerous and seems to want to emulate their behavior, especially when it comes to free speech. And that's the scariest thing of all. We have a a commentary tomorrow, Friday, uh, censorship rerun, which is about Disney, which now owns The Simpsons, pulling another episode from, from, you know, where you could stream it in Hong Kong and not allowing it to be streamed. I don't think the Chinese came in and said, oh, you have to do this. Disney is sucking up to the to the, you know, the evil tyrant. And and they know that they want, you know, if, it, if they run it, they're going to be in hot water. There's some moral responsibility. I don't blame Disney for genocide of the Uyghurs or for the clampdown in Hong Kong. But, you know, if you do business with these folks and you facilitate, actually facilitate the clampdown and the censorship, then you are responsible. So, um, you know, it's this is not a neat little U.S. good, China bad. Uh, the, The people in China are wonderful and the people in the United States are wonderful. The governments are horrible, horrible. And uh, and and yes, I think China is even more horrible to their. Uh, the U.S. government is not committing a genocide right now in the United States of America. Let's let's certify that. Let's all be proud. But but boy, they seem to want to have a little genocide against free speech, and that's something that we are. You know, we we've beaten that horse a lot, and we're going to keep doing it because it is. You know, there, there's. Canary's dead all over this coal mine, but we got to keep pointing them out because we have to we have to survive and we won't survive without free speech. And that's this California story that started the week where they're going to clamp down on what doctors can say. And then at the end of the week, uh, pointing out that here is Disney once again, big corporation who could take the hit if they had to leave Hong Kong. The, the the Disney shareholders are probably going to survive, but they're yet they're helping the world's number one tyranny become even more effective tyrants. You know, you didn't stop there this week. Uh, in the middle of the week, there was the balloon story, and you called it Identified Floating Object, uh, February 8th. Yes. And that's China, that has China all over it, too, and it's, a, it's an even stranger story. Yes. <laughs> everybody knows it, it, but everybody knows this one. Everyone knows this one, but I wanted to kind of give the takeaway here because I think everyone does know it. But here again, it's not just a story about China. 
it's also reflects on the United States of America and it reflects on the media. And, and here's why. There's three takeaways for me. China is our enemy. Now, I already knew that, but I think this, I mean, why are we concerned that they're, they got this, this balloon going overhead? If, if we found out that the Netherlands had a balloon that got away and was, you know, coming this way, if Taiwan, they had some balloon go up and it's coming over the U.S., is anybody concerned? No, it's, hey, honey, look, look. But this isn't that way. Why? Because these guys are genocidal totalitarians who keep threatening to invade their neighbors and have invaded their neighbors in the past and have and, and believe in in tyranny and not the slightest bit of individual freedom. China is dangerous. I think the reason is this point piece pointed out. I think, uh, and it's not something I first suggested. I heard it, and when the person said it, the guy on Sky News, which is an Australian uh, on YouTube and an Australian uh, news channel, when he pointed out this may be their way to hit back because the U.S. is now opening four more bases with the support of the Philippines, which, of course, years ago kind of said, we want you guys out. Now they want the U.S. back in. There was a story this week, we didn't write about it, that South Korea is thinking about they may need nuclear weapons. Why? Because they're not sure that with the threats in their neighborhood, the U.S. can protect them. Now, you can look at that and say, oh, I wonder if we can protect them, and that's the big issue. I think the issue is the threats in their neighborhood and and whether the U.S. decides to protect them or not, that that they're starting to wake up. We've talked about Japan doubling its military spending. There's something going on in Asia, and it's it's that China is our enemy. It's the enemy of its neighbors, and that it's extremely dangerous. But one of the takeaways from this whole balloon thing is that our media is we could have a war with China and they might cover something else like that really it's Trump's fault. And and here's, and, and not to, you know, this has nothing to do really with Trump. It has to do everything with our media. There's been this big story about this has happened before and China's been doing this for years and they did it three times during the Trump administration and they did it earlier in the Biden administration. And, and, Anybody who hears this, and you hear it again and again without any real explanation, you're going to think, oh my goodness, how come we didn't know this? What a failure. And maybe maybe there were some failures in that we didn't pick up on it bigger. That's fine to look into that. But what if you read and, and you get five or six different articles to read because you're a lunatic like me who is really interested to know exactly what happened and what's going on in this situation. I'm following this stuff. And I, and I notice when I'm getting frustrated because I can't find answers to obvious questions in these stories. And the first question is, there were three flights, three balloons, that, that were over U.S. territory during Trump? What were the trajectories? Where'd they go? What'd they look at? What dates? And one of the things you find out after you've read three or four different articles that don't tell you very much is that someone mentions these flights were near Florida and near Texas. It's also near Hawaii and Guam. 
Now, most of the stories don't say that, but that's the truth. Those are the, the three things were Texas, uh, it's four places, but they were three different balloons supposedly during the Trump time. And when they say near, what that means is they, they think it may have kind of violated airspace because there's 12 miles out in the ocean and stuff, but it wasn't really hovering over different things. Now, maybe in Florida, they were near, uh, uh, what is it, Panama City or whatever, or Pensacola, Pensacola, where big naval base and so on. And, and so, you know, they're close enough to get all kinds of stuff, but are they legally in international waters? If they are, then, you know, we really can't say that much. And of course, the U.S. is doing the same thing to them. So it's, you know, that's tit for tat and that's, it's legal. So we may not like it, we may need to remember that China's our enemy and we better be prepared to deal with them because they seem to want to deal with us and and so on. But it's totally different if you know the facts than if you're just told that three times the same sort of thing. This was something I've got a map right here, which is why I'm, I'm looking at it. But this is across the Aleutian Islands in Alaska and then parts of Canada and then from the little tip of Idaho, Montana, all across the entire country to South Carolina and then shot down over the ocean in, in U.S. waters. That's a, a lot different than near Florida. So why does the media report it that way? Well, if they weren't all taking massive drugs to get over their Trump derangement syndrome, we might wonder. But I think we know why they've, they've played it this way. Because they're trying, instead of trying to tell you and I, the American people who have a right to know what the heck is going on in our world, and if World War III is coming, to know what's coming and why and who and how, to know all these things. Instead, they're using this as a way to like take away responsibility from Biden or any bad things and to dump them on Trump. Most of us, myself, I think you, Tim, most of us don't care about that. We want to know what's happening in our world. So it's this that that I think is maybe the biggest takeaway is that, it, you know, if we get in some sort of crisis, we don't you know, we, we've we've always thought about the press as this watchdog on government. And it's not. It's it's in some ways, behaves worse. It doesn't have guns, thank goodness. <laughs> but but it sure does suggest that that we shouldn't either, and they'd like to take them all away. My biggest problem with the story of the balloons is that I just don't know what was really going on here. Because I think that's I think it's I think it's sort of a brinksmanship on China's part. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish, but I do think it's brinksmanship. And it is. maybe they're they're trying to tell our pentagon something and maybe the president of the united states something who knows um i mean i i would rather they uh you know put down leaflets that have pictures of hunter biden in compromising positions <laughs> but that's they're not going to do what i want and 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 uh it is interesting that white balloon for a while there it was i mean that's why i like the ifo title that you you have uh yes because well, identified and, and, flying object, floating object, uh, because it does. It was a UFO for a while. It's viewable by the naked eye. 
Yeah. So it, it it wasn't like they were really, even though it's up 60,000 feet up, but it's it's viewable. So it's not like they're hiding anything. And that's why I thought this guy with uh, uh, Michael Clark, professor and, and a commentator on security stuff for Sky News, said clearly they want people to see it. This was not a sneaky thing. This was here. We want you to see us go across your country. And I tend to think that they wanted the American people, which I'm with them. This is the first time ever I'm with China, in, at least in this small purpose. They wanted the American people to be aware, hey, this is this is getting, you know, hot and heavy. And uh, <clears throat> I think this story, which I picked up on immediately, of the Philippines really doing a complete 180, and, you know, during Duarte's time, we talked a little bit about this last week, um, they moved toward China and away from the U.S. And now they're they see China as a huge threat and they've opened up. There are five bases where they've allowed troops now, American personnel to be. And now we're opening up four more in the northern part in Luzon, where it's the closest to Taiwan. And, and it was billed in all the papers that, that I read, and it, although I don't think it was a big story in the U.S., and sometimes I have trouble telling because I'm picking up all these stories and I'm thinking about them, but it, I wonder how many Americans knew anything about it. Or even now, I think China was trying to say, you know, you guys aren't immune <clears throat> to what's going on over here. And uh, and look, I'm I want the American people to be aware. I hope that we don't kind of step back and go, well, we don't want any, we don't want any, any uh, trouble. We'll just back out of Asia because Asia 60% of the gross national or the gross world product and it's growing. And, uh, and there are a bunch of countries over there that are pretty free and want to stay that way and are stepping up. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're all going, come help us us. I mean, they are, but they're all stepping up. You know, Taiwan's not a pipsqueak. It may be a tiny country, but they're producing 90% of the high-end uh, uh, chips in computers and stuff. And, and you know, if, if you want a world, uh, world-class world military, you, you need China not to take over Taiwan because they're going to have all those chips. Japan is, is scared to death. Of, of China. China's threatened them with, you know, at, at different times through different mouthpieces with, you know, we'll nuke you guys. Um, and of course, Japan doesn't have any nukes and is not very friendly with nukes. They don't like the idea of nukes. And when someone says they're going to nuke them, they know exactly what the hell that means. So it's like that whole area of the world is, is in a serious problem. And of course, China for years, because the U.S. has, has been wimpy i don't know you know maybe that's not the right way to say it but it's the word that comes to mind um china's used to just bullying and getting its way and its neighbors are now stepping up big time because they realize it can't go much further without it being a an existential threat and the u.s has started to pick up on it um so it's i i see you know i i see things moving in the right direction but it doesn't hurt for the American people to be aware. Uh, a poll last year found a majority believe the U.S. should uh, actively, with Air Force, Navy, with military personnel, defend Taiwan. 
And I was a little surprised by that. I didn't know where where people would be on it. Um, and certainly Americans have a right to say, no, you know, we, we don't have to go uh, fight everybody and we don't have to go fight anybody. But I happen to think and I'm, you know, I've spent most of my life as a as a dove and a, a non-interventionist. And I don't view it as intervention to help your your allies. And I think there are certain free countries in this world that, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, we could have stepped back and they would have been fine. I mean, if if in 1980 we would have said, "Hey, uh, you know, we're we're out of Asia," I suspect that Taiwan would have built up its defenses much, much more. Japan would have, South Korea would have. It might have been okay. I think we're at a point now where we've said to everybody, "We've got it. We've got it. We're doing it all," and we have to stop doing it all. Because the defense has to be real and we can't like pretend we can do everything. We need all these free countries to be working together at this at national defense. I think it's the most likely way to avoid World War Three. And and, I, you know, I don't think we're for sure headed to World War Three, but I sure think we could be. And that's I mean, that's it's terrifying. I guess I should uh, try to move this along and uh, want you to, uh, because I really want to talk about something else that's underlying all the World War III talk. But let's move along to uh, hypocrisy not an issue because we're not dealing with China now. We're dealing with the press, though. We're dealing with the press yes. that has a sort of a uniform line that it takes. And when Senator Ted Cruz uh, announced uh, or, or pushed forward a constitutional amendment to uh, limit Congress, term limit con Congress, um, they had this, everybody came up with the same story pretty quick. And it yes. is a funny story on the surface. And I can see why people find it kind of funny, but it's not as big a story as people think. And it, it sort of rubs against the grain of their logic, which they don't seem to have any. Hypocrisy, not at issue. Uh, basically, Cruz has been slammed by the media pretty universally that here he is proposing a two-term Senate limit. And in 2024, he's going to be running for a third term. And there have been people who've come to Congress and said, I'm only going to serve this long. And I and I applaud that. That's great. That's that's wonderful. And uh, I think it's better for them than it is something that they have to do, because. Look, it, we don't want everyone who's for term limits to have to leave after two terms, but all the people who are not for term limits to stay and stay and stay so that we're always kind of fighting over a few seats. Uh, that we can never get to the two-thirds majority we need. And of course, the 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 plan, the 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 effort, the campaign that's underway by US term limits is to get states to ask for a convention to to propose a term limits amendment because a convention of the states, one, it's about the only way it's likely to happen. Uh, and those those state conventions could then that, that convention of the states could then propose and a, an amendment and a limit without it being so self-interested. Obviously, if Congress proposes the limit, there's going to be a lot of pressure from members of Congress who don't want any limit that maybe we don't start the counting for a few years. And then how about 16 years or 18 years? Or um, so, so that's how the term limits movement is pushing it. But of course, the media is focused on Congress. And so doing stuff in Congress is good to remind people, yes, this is one of the solutions to get our country back. And and Cruz has been very, very good on the issue. He pledged to support 
limits of no more than two terms in the Senate, no more than three terms in the House, and no longer limits. And he is stuck with that. He hasn't signed on to other bills, which some of them will. Oh, I signed on to all of them. Well, <laughs> you didn't read the, the pledge you signed then because the, the public wants real limits, not phony ones. And and you have to play for those because I mean, we could say, well, we'll take whatever we can get. Well, so far, whatever we can get is nothing. So um, so Cruz is, is doing the right stuff and working to build a term limits movement that will eventually term limit Congress. And what the media is doing is not exposing hypocrisy because they're not stupid. They, they understand the argument that, wait a second, it would be unilateral disarmament if all the people who supported turmoil constantly left and left government in the hands of the seniority system where all the people who are most senior are adamant opponents of truth, justice, and the American way and term limits. And uh, so, but the media hates term limits, frankly. And I think part of it is their whole view that government should be this expert thing. Oh, we listen to all the experts and these expert career politicians who've been here forever learning all the bits of government, which never seems to show. And, you know, all their learning and experience they still sound like idiots, you know, anytime you listen to them in a committee hearing. And, um, and but they want those experts. And then, of course, the expert career politicians will listen to the expert medical, bureaucratic, whatever, you know, to Fauci, who is, is going to feed him a line. And then the expert journalists will write about it and tell the little people how things are going. That's their narrative. That's their mindset of what America should be. And so term limits turns that on its head. We're going to let the people, I mean, they're all for democracy, but not really. And, uh, and, and so that's what's at work here. They want to slam Cruz and they want to slam term limits and they want to block term limits from being something that someone says, hey, I want to get behind this. No, don't get behind it because he's a hypocrite. He's, you know, this or that. And it just, it stomps on, uh, throw shade on as the, as the term. That's not really the term, but there's some shade term now that's hip. Uh, anyway, uh, it's rotten. And the media does it again and again and again. And it's, it's, it's just, it's pitiful, but it's another sign that we have media that is is part of the political process in a really not healthy way. Mostly, I think it's a class issue. I, I just think it's, who do you identify with? And it used to be when we were young, the only real difference between the media now and the media way back when we were kids is that back then there were people who, in, who were journalists, who were reporters, who I think pretty much thought of themselves as working class. They were more working class and they weren't so highly educated. I mean, they might have a college degree, but it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't, it has become much more of a highfalutin job. And it used to be more of a job that I think middle-class folks who were smart saw this as something they could get into. You didn't have to, you know, have a bunch of licenses or other things to get into it. And and they just, you know, they they were much more, and look, they, they generally leaned left i think uh and and that's you know i think there's some different reasons we could talk about and and so on but leaning left is different than being a 24 7 mouthpiece 
of the Democratic Party. And when I say that, I always think, and they're not urging the Democratic Party to move to the center. They're urging the Democratic Party to move to the far left where the media is. So it's it's um, this is this is it. It's something that in if we can solve some of the problems, it's going to be in the in the course of it. The media is going to change, and and it has been changing. So hopefully, you know, we find our way through this. But but we have to keep pointing it out. We have to keep realizing that you know we're being fed a lot of a lot of lies and a lot of narratives that just aren't reality. It is worth mentioning uh, to back you up right there is that there are people like Joe Rogan and Tim Pool who have larger audiences than anyone at CNN, yeah. anyone at MSNBC. Uh, the major corporate legacy media is dying, and they're they're losing their hold. And that's probably why they they're so unhinged because they realize their their days are numbered. It's when you, when you see yourself dying, uh, you can become a little bit crazy. The other thing is uh, that's part of them their fixation on Trump. Trump was the best thing that ever happened to them. Trump was very good for CNN and MSNBC ratings and for the left's general support, just because he scared people. I mean, he scared me and I'm not on the left, but, but, uh, but, you know, he, he did. And so, and, and I think post Trump, they're really struggling now, even during Trump, like, like Fox has always, you know, and, and I don't know it except, you know, purchasing advertising at different times fox costs twice as much to get a 30 second spot on a, on fox than it does to get it on msnbc or cnn and that's largely because their audience is twice as big yet even fox has a huge element of big pharma advertising on their platform which does skew their editorial product to some degree i don't think they've reined in tucker yet but they uh, must be in a, a force behind the scenes quite a lot if pfizer is just pouring millions into every major news media corporation that's one of the way that's one of the ways they right. get you you know right I mean, pfizer i consider to just be almost part of the government because of the subsidies and the special privileges they've been given uh you know with this with this last covid nonsense i think that's right that they they you know they, they've become so powerful and and it's not a you know it's not an arm's length it's not like we did this and they, i mean this money they've made on the vaccine this is a vaccine that was enforced by mandate from the government and and so and subsidized and yes. the liability for its uh, misdirect use or uh, unforeseen consequences or foreseen consequences kind of they've been taken away they, they're completely exempt yes. from the normal liability it's very interesting that what they've done you know we have only one other piece that you wrote this week huck off the hook and i just mispronounced the name it's Hulk. but anyway Hulk off the hook did you want to talk about that Yes, I'm going to be very quick, though, and because I people, I won't give them enough. They have to now go to thisiscommonsense.org and read Hauk off the hook. And this is Mark Hauk. Uh, now I'm going to be weird every time I say that name. But uh, this is a good story. He was acquitted of all charges. This is the guy who, you know, supposedly pushed someone outside an abortion clinic and they after the local authorities decided there's nothing here, the feds got involved and basically charging him with blocking people from getting into an abortion clinic, which is the highest crime of all. And, uh, and, and the real ugliness of this 
it's bad enough that they decided let's go try to criminalize people who are pretty nice people over something that's ridiculous and that eventually they get acquitted. But they came after him with like a Dawn SWAT-like raid around. I mean, this is someone they could have said, show up here and we'll handcuff you and then we'll we'll process you and and you'll get out on your own recognizance because there's no threat of violence. And uh, and instead, they decided to terrorize his family and his kids and and try to humiliate and and be mean to him. And, I, you know, in, in thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's, it's not Tyree Nichols. They didn't uh, you know, they didn't kill him or beat him to death. I guess we should you know, we should thank our lucky stars. But I would submit that a police and a criminal justice system that would do what they did to Mark Houck and his family is the same sort of criminal justice system that did what it did to Tyree Nichols. And that we don't have to draw, you know, little, you know, lines in between this or that. The police need to stop beating people to death. The feds need to stop SWAT raids at dawn to terrorize families for no reason other than your political, you know, muscle pumping. This is this is serious, serious stuff. And it's like, I hate to tell everybody, but we did five scripts and it's all about serious, serious problems. We have a lot of serious problems. We are, I think, clearly in a period of history that's pretty darn consequential. Because you see a lot of things spinning that you that could spin out of control that hopefully we can spin into a better day. But all that spinning and churning and whatever you want to call it is going on. And it's going on about very serious stuff, about freedom of speech at its most basic level, about how we treat people who, you know, who've committed no real crime. And, and of course, in this case, uh, acquitted of the charge in the case of Tyree Nichols, uh, you know, killed and he was reckless driving, maybe or something. It just it it just we and and the the reason I think we're all afraid that these things are going to happen again and again is there's no accountability. Now, the officers in that case, in Tyree Nichols case are are likely to pay a price and that hopefully will have some impact but the justice department mark hauk is is uh you know he's free man i don't think they're going to pick up any of his legal fees now maybe the thomas moore society or, or one of these different groups said thomas moore? anyway uh one of these different groups is picking him up let's hope um but the people who brought that the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, who may have been in on the call, uh, they're not paying any price. And that's a huge, huge problem because it means it's likely to happen again. Very good. I think that that's the end of a podcast. Today is uh, February 9th, a Thursday. This will come out on a Friday if all goes well with me and editing. And... Uh, this has been This Week in Common Sense, starring you, Paul Jacob. We're doing we're doing the announcement of the program at the end again. <laughs> With special guest star, <laughs> Timo Verkula. 
There you are.